Hey, it's Kristen. You're listening to Rational in Portland. Welcome to Rational in Portland. I'm your host, Kristen. Thank you so much for joining us today. I have a really important guest today that I am so excited to introduce you to, Julia Brim Edwards, who we've been talking about on the podcast, who a lot of you have written in about, so many of you have written in about, and I just... I, haven't, I have to confess, I haven't read everything. Uh, it's been a big volume. But I did pass a lot of your questions on to Julia. She's going to address some of those today. We don't have time to do them all, of course. She's a busy lady. She's doing interviews all over the place. This is Multnomah County, and this is uh, a time um, in Multnomah County where we're looking for some change. And I think Julia's the right person to give us that change. Julia, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Um, talk to us about... A little bit about who you are and why you're running for Multnomah County Commissioner. Yeah, thanks for having me here um, and giving me the opportunity to talk about um, why I'm running because our community faces big challenges. So just to start with, um, I grew up in southeast Portland. Um, I actually still live in the house I, I grew up in. I went to local public schools. I grew up doing the classic thing of during the summers, berry picking in East County, strawberries followed by raspberries. Um, and Do you have a bucket? We have buckets. A bucket. I'll just say strawberries are way harder because it's wet, you're bent over. Raspberries, it's a little bit sunnier. Uh, you're standing up. you got two buckets wrapped around your waist if you're a fast picker, which I was. <laughs> um <laughs> So a lot of lessons uh, learned in those berry fields and of, uh, you know, hard work and th- the value of it. Uh, I, like I say, went to local public schools. I um, eventually, my husband and I raised our family. We have three kids uh, in East Portland. I have my own small business right now. And I've also served for nine years on the Portland School Board. And I'm running because... This community has, East Portland, has been a safe, affordable, thriving place to live. And, um, you know, you, you could raise a, work, raise a family. It was a great place, I felt, for um, us to raise our kids. And the reality is um, that's no longer true. And part of that is because the county's on the wrong track. Um, and it's not addressing and tackling and taking urgent accent action against the biggest issues facing this community, whether it's homelessness, access to mental health care, uh, drug treatment, and also um, having our neighborhoods be safe and local businesses being able to um, basically operate and be able to, you know, not be vandalized and broken into on a regular basis. Um, so I'm running for the county because the county actually has the levers to take on some of those big those big issues. And I also believe I have the experience, the relationships, and track record of getting results, ha- tackling big issues, getting results. Um, and that's what's needed right now at the county. Um, we need somebody who is going to um, take urgent action, stop talking about the problems, admiring them, um, and move to action, and then... Um, really um, hold the system and myself accountable for um, results and to really improve things in this community because I know we can do better. 
what are the top three things that you intend to change once you're Multnomah County Commissioner? What's your timeline for that? Because everybody's anxious for, for some kind of change. Like you said, the east side was a place where, you know, if you were middle to low income, you could you could go raise a family. And I think fewer and fewer people are, A, feeling like they, it's affordable, and B, feeling like for what you pay, the, the safety isn't there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just the day, if you look at um, the record of 911 calls last year or just the crime statistics from last year, as you move east from the river, you go from hundreds of, say, 911 calls to by the time you get to Montevilla, um, well, they start getting the thousands. By the time you get to Montevilla, there are about 5,000 911 calls. You get to Lentz, it's 8,700. Go out to Palhurst Gilbert, um, it's you know over 12,000. And so you think about each one of those calls. Um, it may be um, somebody experiencing a mental health crisis, you know, a routine crime. It could be gun violence. Um, that makes it awfully hard for people to want to view those places as safe, as safe places that you can let your kids, you know, walk to school or go outside and play, um, and or just like walk to the grocery store. And so it is becoming a very different community than I grew up in and that, you know, existed maybe five, ten years ago. Well, and you live in the house you grew up in. I do. I think that's profoundly interesting. And my mom lives across the street, and um, that's an ultimate uh, accountability mechanism. Um, But I'm I'm also surrounded by people who um, I grew up with. Um, their parents, uh, people I babysat for, people I've worked with. Um, this is one of the things I love about the East Side. A lot of people, generations of families, uh, have found it, a again, a safe, affordable, thriving place to live with a lot of diversity. Um, and those were all great things about uh, living on the East Side. And right now what's happening in our community is really uh, making the quality of life or making it a place where people can live safely um, of a very different place than it's been. So tell us about the, I mean, if you were to pick the top three things that you want to tackle once you're Multnomah County Commissioner, let's say you win, you're Multnomah County Commissioner, there are three things you want to tackle, and then give us your timeline for those, because I think everybody's anxious. Everybody wants to see all this yesterday, and I know that's not realistic, but but you as a, as a person who understands elected office as a person who understands policymaking since you've been on school board and you know what it's like to set a goal, meet that goal. What what would you say your top three things are that you're going to fix or change? And then what is your timeline on that? So the three issues I'd pick is um, homelessness, the crisis we have on our streets, um, creating a culture of accountability and also public safety and safe and safe neighborhoods. And I can just do a little click down on each one of those. Um, on homelessness, we have more than 5,000 people on the streets. And if we only um, build permanent housing, and that's our the sole focus, um, what we then are saying is it's going to be okay that we have thousands of people living on the streets for years without basic services. And I, f- I find that completely unacceptable. Um, so... I want to get to work. Um, again, this is my bias towards action. Is um, I think the mayor has some ideas. That the, the uh, Ch- chair Vega Peterson, Commissioner Myron, all have some good ideas. We need to build out shelter because you can't. Um, we can't in street camping 
if we don't have a variety of um, shelters for people to move to. And frankly, when people move to shelters or transitional housing, they're, they're going get, to then get basic services. They'll be safe, which is really important. And they'll get stabilized. And hopefully that will be their path to um, permanent, permanent housing. Um, but we need to stop uh, having the county and the city pointing their fingers at each other. We need to work, work together and actually embrace everybody's good ideas because there's not going to be just one solution that is going to overnight move thousands of people off the streets and into shelter and on their way to housing. Um, in addition, uh, in terms of the cultural accountability uh uh, my track record on the school board or just about my, my entire public life has been about um, supporting a strong audit function because um, when you audit, you actually, um, it usually gives you a roadmap of how to improve services, how to spend taxpayers' dollars more effectively. Um, the other cultural accountability is if you if you watch any school board meetings, I'm always the person who's unafraid to ask um, a tough question, dig into the details, um, ask about the effectiveness of how we're spending our money. Uh, and I, I'm also somebody who is um, very focused on measuring results because that's part of accountability. So what is it as a county that um, we want to accomplish and when are we going to accomplish it by and then measuring that? And again, holding myself um, and I always ask people to hold me accountable, and usually on the school board people do, um, but also holding the organization accountable. Accountable. You know, the, uh, uh, sometimes when people you ask questions, people might think that that is um, hostile or aggressive. I think when you ask questions, you understand the details, you, you pressure test each, other, each other's ideas, and I certainly expect other people to do that for me, that um, if I have an idea or something, a solution I'm proposing, that people asking questions... Um, is really pressure testing my idea and actually make you know, often makes it better. And I hope that I'm do I do that um, with other people's proposals as well. Um, but if, if I look at some of the things with the county right now, um, say the Behavioral Health Center, um, the fact that um, there wasn't an sort of independent look at what happened when it closed down to me is like one of those things that I would be asking is instead of asking the contractors to do their own um, investigation that instead um, the county would ask somebody externally to look at it. So because um, by, by doing that, you actually build trust. Even if they find, you know, here's where the errors were, here's, here's um, how things could have been better, here's like the mis mistakes were made. Um, public entities, when they have critically examined their own activities, critically examined their activities, and actually, um, if they made a mistake, admitting it and fixing things builds is that's the way you build community trust, and that's always a value I've had at the school district um, and as a public official. That when I make mistakes, I own them, um, and it usually makes me a red person. And generally, I don't make that same mistake again. Um, but I think that so this culture of accountability. Um, and not afraid to, um, so part of that is also not afraid to like rock the boat on the status quo, um, because oftentimes public bodies, if everybody is um, sort of unanimously supporting things, um, and then you sort of get into a status, the sort of the status quo, we're not changing anything, 
Um, and I think we're in a case right now where the whole community is um, like screaming at um, their elected leaders to, d- to do something, to take action, and that's what you're elected for. And so um, you can be sure that that's something I'll bring to um, service. But creating again, creating this uh, culture of accountability. And then um, on public safety, um, the in the last 10 years, um, there were disinvestments made in um, – different parts of the public safety system, whether it was um, reductions in law enforcement staffing, reductions in the district attorney's office, um, the fact that there isn't enough public defenders. We, we don't, right now there isn't actually a f- functional um, public safety system. And, if, you know, if you live in a, in a neighborhood in Portland, um, everybody has a story to tell about something you know, that has happened to them that reduced their sense of safety. You know, I went out one morning to, I left my car in the street and it was like, didn't have four wheels or tires. <laughs> Are you serious? No. Wait, outside your house? Outside my house, like right in front of my house. Um, they just jacked it up. It wasn't running or anything. You just like uh, went inside, you got home and went inside and you came back. And I didn't put it in the garage overnight and it was, uh, like I say, Christmas Eve morning. I went out to go do, oh, or run my, Christmas run my. Christmas Eve morning? <laughs> run my errands and my car was like sitting like literally I was like why is it so low it's like oh because the bottom of the car is like on on the street I'm but so sorry oh how stressful yeah you know but like I, I think of like the small business owner that has like the glass repeatedly broken at their front windows that's our building that's this building you're in right now yeah yeah, I mean, so every, everybody has a story, the porch pilot, pirates, the, oh, yeah. um, you know, people who come come to your door well, you know, in the middle of the night. I have a night. P.O. box for this office. For this office. Really? Yeah, because my mail's stolen so often. For the, for the office. I would say everybody has a story, and it's, it's <laughs> you know, if you look at these... Who would think that you would need a P.O. box when you're renting a law firm space? But you do, apparently, so we have one. Yeah, I mean, like I say, every everybody you could sit yeah. ar- you could sit around. Uh, I know, and I know. everybody could tell their stories. And well, now I, you get to hear them all because you're running for office, <laughs> right? And well, I, I want to hear them because I'm you know glad. that that's Thank how you. we move change. Because frankly, you know, when um, reductions were made in first responders or the uh, police bureau or the sheriff's department, when the people in Lentz or Palo Scobler called nine one one. They want somebody to come, and the delayed response times, where um, you know could be jeopardizing somebody's life, um, you know, is just un- unacceptable. Because I do think that's that is like the most basic level of service, and because again, because the city and county have sort of joint responsibilities, so it may be the you know the firefighters um, who are going, or they they send out Portland Street Response or Project Respond, which is the county's um, kind of corresponding version of a Portland Street Response, or it could be a sheriff deputy. Um, people expect that somebody's going to show up to help them. And that basic ex- expectation um, has really been tested. And one of the things I'm going to do, I'm going to be a big advocate, whether, again, whether it's the city or county, because we have these interlocking uh, public safety systems, that I'm going to be an advocate both at the city um, and push for it, and also at the county, looking at the DA's office and the budget, and also, again, the sheriff's office, because um, the sheriff needs to have the resources to, their, to serve as the, have the jail system and the correction system 
um, here locally and they need to have the resources um, because if, if you're missing any of those pieces, you don't have a functioning public safety system. If you don't have a public safety system, it's very hard for people to feel safe in their communities. What is your, I mean, these are, I love everything that you're saying. You're singing my song for sure. Of course, Multnomah County budget controls a heck of a lot of money. I think right now, 2023, I know they, they've laid out what they're going to do with it, but just like homeless services alone, the biggest it's ever been, $255.5 million in homeless services money. Um, it, what is your timeline on building out these shelters? How fast can we get these darn things done? Because it seems to me you can get these, a lot of these shelters we can do virtually overnight. I mean, we got, we got an ice storm. We've got 10 of them instantaneously yeah i mean not only um does the county have the homeless service uh taxes of about 250 million uh, but also the city has is contributing resources and right. a, and of course according to sharon myron they write you a blank check and of course um governor um Kotek just uh the the bill that passed um has some pretty significant resources that can also be helpful um so right now i i, I don't Although think it doesn't does she want it to go to housing well, there, there's, there's, a, there, there, there's a portion for housing, but there's also a portion. And one thing she said at um, the, the mass encampments is that they actually had to be more like safe rest villages. So they'd be someplace right, with pods, ha- that have, they have a door. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, this is about people's personal safety. I was talking to um, three men last week um, who were homeless in their 60s. And one of their biggest issues is just personal safety. Um, they, get yeah. ro- they get robbed all the time, um, like after they get their Social Security checks. And so having a sense of personal safety, again, so um, I think, I don't think it was unreasonable at all for the governor sending resources to the region to um, both demand a, a reasonable plan um, that had details, but also um, provide some of her, her own guidelines of how the money could be spent. So it doesn't appear that we're lacking in resources. And I, I firmly believe that um, the, the city council and the county commission don't want the humanitarian crisis we have on our on our streets, well, and so it's going to leave. And so, what it means is everybody's got to work together again. Taking instead of shooting holes at you know Ted Wheeler's plan for mass encampments, like we're not going to do that; that's a bad idea, or we need to wait for a proof of concept, or um, saying, "Hey, the county's not doing enough." That the elected leaders need to come together, and how are we going to do this together? Because we, we have the resources and um, yeah, cre- creating a plan, <laughs> creating a plan, who's going to do the work, who has the responsibilities, actually having it be a joint office. Because um, we can't just say the city's not doing enough and, you know, leave us alone. We're going to take care of it because clearly the county hasn't yet. And so having a, a, a plan of action and, again, a um, the hallmark of my work to date has really been um, I have always has a sense I have a sense of urgency and I have a sense of urgency because this is my home community and it's really in bad shape and so I'm gonna you know get in there and ask my uh, fellow commissioners and the mayor and the council like we all got to work together so Commissioner Ryan you've got a great idea or Commissioner Rubio great let's put let's put it in there and um, we're all in this together because we're gonna we're gonna s- succeed together or fail uh, separately. So you got elected. What is your timeline on pursuing this communication strategy and also this shelter build-out strategy? 
Um, so we're going to be in the process of the, the county budget cycle and also the city budget cycle. But um, I'm already talking to the mayor, members of um, oh, the city council. Yeah, so I'm... So those those conversations have begun. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've spent my last 10 years working with the county and the city on a variety of, of issues. And um, I think this is one of the things I do really well, which is bring people together for, uh define our common goal and then create the strategy to get there and then be relentless <laughs> in implementation. I think that often this is what happened is like we have, there's a plan, but there's no, like there's not the re- relentless drive to implement implementation. And I know from my private, you know, time in the business community and the private sector, like, you know, you got to implement or you don't get results. Um, and that's what I'll bring, but I'm already having conversations again with the mayor members of the city council and, um, I'm, I'm optimistic we're going to um, be able to work together and, again, know that we're going to succeed or, or fail um, by whether we work together and get things done. You know, Sharon Myron, in her op-ed to the Oregonian, which I thought was fantastic, talked about uh, shelter systems as well. And, and, of course, she wants she's a data gal, and she wants data, and I like data, so I, li- I really liked her op-ed. Um, I wonder what you think. I mean, do you agree with me that this shelter timeline doesn't have to be long? That, that look, you know, some of this stuff we can construct pretty quickly, it seems like. Well, I think some of it you can get started on right away. Um, and others might take a longer build out. But, you know, I've talked to some shelter providers who said we were supposed to be in here, you know, in six months, and it actually took a year because of the permitting process. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you know, but I think when you elevate That's these right. these issues, like, okay, the city needs to be like, hey, bring in your permitting people that will help us make this happen. I mean, there's there's two sites right now on 82nd that the county has, and this gets a little bit to the culture of accountability. They're going to put um, safe park sites. But they have had zero conversation with the community, which they need to do. Yes. Um, so it's kind of like, well, when is that happening? Because, <laughs> um, I, I mean, the, the neighbors really deserve the opportunity. And there should be a good neighbor agreement and everything else. It's enforced because That's, it's never enforced. Right. But, the, you know, it's like I'm, I'm not sure what we're waiting for. And I, I will say, you know, there's, there's a stri- – I feel a shift in strategies from we're only going to focus on – permanent housing but when you when you actually look at the data (laughs) if you say that's your only your main strategy then you're you are saying right now that it's going to be okay that a thousand thousands of people are living on the streets and and more coming in every day yeah for sure it's just going to get worse well and if you look at domicile unknown which is the last count of the number of people who died homeless, it was, it was a record. It was 193. So if we continue to have people living on the streets, we know we're going to have probably a record number of deaths, and that's unacceptable. What about um, accountability? Would you say that in regard to your timeline on accountability, I mean, how quickly can we get th- things like these like you said, like a real audit. How quickly can we get something like that going? Well, I'm already asking ask, asking questions, um, and they're questions that um, are raised by community members who feel like they don't have a, a voice. Um, just let's take those two sites on 82nd. They said, you know, hey, the county said they're going to open these two sites, but we we haven't heard from them at all. And f- frankly, you know, the back of my house is on you know adjacent to the site. 
And so I'm already asking questions. Or another example is um, in Park Rose, there's a development that could have a pretty significant impact on the on the, the high school and and the and the students there. And so from my perspective, you know, a note in to the two commissioners whose area that it covers to ask um, how come the county hadn't yet um, looked at the environmental or the health impact on a particular development on the high school. So I'm already asking questions, and um, usually I ask, I, I ask for questions and get data, and um, then I try to help problem solve. Uh, but I think, you know, I'm already, I'm already doing that. Do you, one of the questions we got was whether you feel, I don't know if you read Sharon Myron's op-ed, but people, it seemed to resonate with a lot of people that wrote to me after they read it. And I wonder if you feel, felt like that resonated at all with you or what you want to do once you get on the Multnomah County Commission. Yeah, I think Sharon laid out a great plan. Um, like her, I'm a systems thinker, and um, you know you've got to have data. So if we don't have people on the streets, how are we going to know what services they need, um, how much that's going to cost, and then whether they've been effective? Um, so I've, I feel like I'll be aligned with Sharon on on systems issues, um, and I feel like that, uh, and I know that I'll be aligned um, with the chair and other members of the commission on other things because I say I think we have a common goal, and to me, uh, I think what the, the great thing about and this is the same thing to the school board. Everybody brings different relationships, expertise, um, and skills to the to the work. So, for example. There's no mental health issue or drug use treatment issue that I'm not going to look to Sharon for. You know, she's an expert. The same is right. true. Street medicine. Right. The same is true, for example, on the school board. We were about ready to have, um, well, I served with Julia Sparza-Brown, who was an educator. And I was like, what a valuable thing. I could, I mean, I'm not an educator, but I could turn to Julie and ask her, um, you know, hey, is this the right strategy? Is this the right curriculum? What questions would you ask? So I view the... Um, the, the whole commission has, has a lot of skills and experience and expertise. And if we, if we get it all moving in the same direction, um, and I'll, the, I think the skills and expertise I'll bring is I'm a, a strategist and I'm also somebody who gets things moving, brings a sense of urgency, and then also brings, some account of, brings accountability into the, the equation. And I, I think... I say it will be complementary to many of the things that Sharon's talking about, and I think the, um, also where the the chair wants to go. So let's talk about a timeline on the public safety. That was your third plank in terms of what you're going to be really focused on if you win Multnomah County Commissioner. What is what what kind of goal do you think you can like? What what's the most achievable goal there? Like of the things that you laid out, how quickly can you? Can you accomplish some of this stuff? Um, well, given that we're right now in the midst of the city budget cycle and and the county's budget cycle, so but the, the the two pieces of the um, public safety system in the in the region, um, it's a great time, and I'm already you know talking to um, the mayor and uh, city commissioners about the uh, resources for say the fire departments and so the first responders, but also the police bureau. Um, 
And then at the county, um, the deputy sheriff's association and the or the deputy sheriffs and the sheriff's office with corrections, and the DA's office. So r- right now we we have an opportunity to provide them funding to f- fill some gaps, for sure. Um, so I'll be an, I'll be a big advocate on in, in both those areas because again you, you can't fund the county um, public safety um, resources but not the city and the, and yeah, have a functioning work system. If Portland's not safe. Yeah. And then also at the, at the state level, um, they have a they have a role to play. And so so the budget is the very first first thing, um, and then ensuring coordination uh, because. Um, there's some overlapping responsibilities and and also some inefficiencies. So basically, how, how do we have when somebody calls one of the five different emergency numbers, how do, how do they... A lot of people don't even know what all those are. I mean, I, I'm the public safety rep on my neighborhood board, and I'm supposed to be responsible for all that. And I did put it all in an email, but it took me three hours to figure out. And I don't remember a lot of them. Exactly. Um, and, you know, I think when people say, well, why do they call 911 if they need street response or it's they don't need a police response? The reality is people call 911 because because actually they've learned that if you call 911, help does come. And so it's what everybody remembers <laughs> and knows. <laughs> but, you know, I do think there, there are ways that we can better, more efficiently provide service. I mean, here, here's just one example. When I was out with Portland Street Response, um, they were telling me that, you know, if somebody says, I'd like to go to a shelter that there's not a platform where they can see where there are shelter beds open. They've That person has to call all the individual shelters to see if there's space. So, totally screwed up. But it's flexible. And actually the city has like an app or a platform I that, the count, that the county can, but the county can needs to use it because they've got the vast majority of access right. to shelter beds. So those are the t- examples of ways that the system could be better. So... One of the other things I'm going to bring is so how, how do you get these efficiencies and more effectiveness is I'm going to be like out talking to people who are doing the work who are closest to it because they can tell you. So three hours into the, you know, uh, Portland Street Response ride, you know, getting some insights from somebody who's actually doing the work like, hey, if I didn't have to spend an hour calling through all the shelters to find where they are, I actually could be like do my work more efficiently and, ef- and effectively. So I'm going to be talking to the people in the county and the city who who do the work and who the people who get the services because they have some really good ideas and they can tell you exactly what they need like the the three uh, 60 year old um, gentleman in the in the minivan who were homeless who you know told like what their most important aspect you know things they need which was like personal safety and food but you need to you need to talk to and listen to people and not just, you know, get all your information from a public meeting. Um, this is what, you know, I'm on the school board. I go to a school and I pop into classrooms and talk to teachers. I go to the cafeteria, talk to the lunch ladies, I go to the school office, because usually the school secretary knows everything. Um, but really uh, listen to people on the front lines, because they, they want to do their work better, I believe, and they, most of them live in this community, and so that's that's something that I'll do is definitely is really talk to the, not just get all my my information from like from the county building and the commission meetings, but really out um, hearing from people and talking to small businesses and what they what they need to be able to thrive here in this community. 
Well, and you're part of that small business community, so it's not hard for you to be wired in, obviously. And my guess is people trust you already. You don't need to build those relationships, is my guess. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I have... Um well, I've been going to small businesses in District 3 for my, pretty much my 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 entire life. And right, because you grew up there. So, you know, shopping, dentists, doctors. Eye doctor, yeah. like, you know, all my, you know, Flying Pie Pizza in Montevilla, which is like where you go after the, you know, Little League baseball games and where they have the trophy presentations and everything. Um, so I'm very connected into local businesses. And again, I'm very accessible. And I think people... A lot of people share their stories with me because I think they think I will do something about it, which is what I've done on the school board. Like people trust me to tell me things that when they're not working, they kind of they give me the unsanitized version of what's happening. So that because um, usually I'm be, I want to try and fix things or make things better, and I know how to do that. And so people trust that if they tell me that, that I will not just listen and then you know, walk away from it, but actually try and help solve problems. Tell us a little bit about your position on what's going on with ballot measure 110, because, it, you know, I'm one of the, I say all the time, I'm on this podcast, I'm one of the idiots that voted for that thing, because I thought it was just going to, I really believed the word treatment was going to be rehab and detox, and I didn't realize it was going to be uh, foil and straws and things. And so um, as somebody who, my sister's a homeless opioid addict, has been since adolescence. My dad was homeless, uh, but that's that was more a mental illness issue. But as somebody who's got opioid addiction and homelessness pretty close to me, this Measure 110 stuff, is, is it's very concerning that we don't seem to have access to things like rehab and detox and when I try to dig into that all I hear is well that's a federal issue and we can't and so and harm reduction and and look believe me I, th- I think harm reduction I, I don't think we should eliminate harm reduction I actually don't I think it's but I think it's got to be part of a broader continuum of care and then just my personal opinion is that we've got to focus recovery is possible and there's no reason that we can't talk about recovery from these substances. I don't know what, tell us what you think about this stuff. Yeah, well, the best long-term harm reduction is actually treatment and recovery. There you go. Um, Thank you. Somebody said it. I I don't want to say, I want to say that you're not an idiot for voting for it because that was what was promised. And, And there's funding. So, but it was implemented horribly and it needs to be fixed because... I do believe that people voted for it primarily not because they thought decriminalizing hard drugs, um, that wasn't the driving factor. I think they thought that we actually could do something to help people um, receive treatment. Yeah, I thought there was going to be detox and rehab, and I thought we'd be reclassifying a lot of these drug crimes to use, you know, drug court more efficiently and effectively. And then it turns, I talked to some of my friends, well, you may know this because you're, you're running for Multnomah County Commission. I talked to some of my friends who are Multnomah County judges who are telling me, we don't have drug court anymore. It's only for measure 11 crimes. And I find that stunning. Yeah, it's, um, so the legislature is making some fixes, which, you know, if I had to, um, grade the implementation of this measure would be an F and what 
so there's some things that the counties and the city need to do together in addition to 110 because even if you had treatment right now, um, not enough detox bed. There's no sobering center. That's exactly right. Um, the not, one report, did you read that? The one report was talking about like kids, you know, all that we're having the issues with kids now. Of course, you know, there was that um, fentanyl overdose at Franklin. You you know that because of your job. To the year UPS. before at McDaniel's. To the year before at McDaniel. Wrap your mind around that, everybody. I mean, it's, it's as a parent, it's, it's heartbreaking. Terrifying. It's terrifying. It is heartbreaking. And these, these parents are losing their kids, and they think they're getting an Adderall or something on Snapchat, and they, it's fentanyl and everything. we got to do something about this education piece, too, of course. And I bet you have, I'm sure, as somebody on school board, you got a billion thoughts on that. And I, I just kind of wonder um, what what is going on with this kind of stuff, and how do we how how do how do we infiltrate what seems like something we, a, a snowfall that we can't roll back? Well, I, I don't I don't believe the legislature is going to repeal one ten. Oh, so how, so how is it made <laughs> effective? And I think this is where the county has to keep the pressure on and county commissioners working with the community of we need this whole continuum from prevention, harm reduction, treatment, and recovery. It can't just stop at harm reduction. And How do you keep pressure on? Well, this is, well, um, I think to keep the pressure on, they keep putting the statistics in front of me. Are we okay with, for example, three, three high school students dying? I mean, one fifty. I know one was 15. That was stunning. Um, you know, are we okay with um, the statistics? You know, I, I, since I live on Yamhill and I, when I draw, cross the Morrison Bridge, of course I go right past Fourth and Washington. So, yeah. are we okay? I did that this morning. Too. <laughs> are we Are we okay with what's happening? So you saw happening? they just moved around the corner, right? <laughs> Whether by like Jeff's Market or Jake's, yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think it is continuing to put like, where's the plan? The city and county, we're accountable. So it's not it's not the county, it's not the city. So how are we going to work together to have a system that works? And we also need to make sure the the DA has the resources to go after the drug dealers who, you know, I'm thinking those those parents whose kids bought, um, yeah. you know, the things that killed them, like those drug dealers <laughs> should pay, be paying a price. I don't think ballot measure 110 didn't give them a pass. Um, so there's a host of things to do, but it's also keeping keeping the pressure on and using the resources we have. Um, but there's there's no reason why we can't and again have a, a sobering sobering center, more detox bed, and then a path to treatment and recovery. Is it true that there are? federal roadblocks to us opening up these detox and rehab centers i mean i'm being told we're people are saying their hands are tied i mean why can't why can't we open these things so i haven't heard that there is federal uh, maybe if they're trying to use federal dollars but um if if it's that we can't use federal dollars then we should be using local dollars right yeah i think the idea is like well we you know we we can't get them on medicare medicaid that that's generally how they're doing this kind of stuff and um i don't i don't understand it i don't know why i don't know if it's because we decriminalize drugs and so then we can't use federal money kind of like there's all these vagaries with the marijuana stuff i don't know but i so it sounds like you're not hearing that it sounds like you think this is doable 
I do. And if there's some federal issue, I'd say... Thank God, like you said, we've got the money. One of the things I'm going to bring to the table is I have relationships with everybody who's in, um, you know, our congressional delegation, um, our senior senator, uh, Senator Wyden's in quite a powerful position. Um, But also, I say, have good relationships with um, business, labor, the governor, legislators, um, so sometimes what, what, what I do best is, um, identify where the challenges, the tackle, the, the issue of the roadblock is, um, sometimes I have to get my elbows out, um, to get things done, but, uh, generally, I like it. I like it. but generally, you know, I try, try and find like, where's the common ground? Because I don't think anybody wants is, I don't think anybody finds what's happening in our community is acceptable. Um, and we all know we can do better, and we want that for our community. So um, that's where I start from. It's like, okay, if we agree on where we want to go, let, I usually can find a way, a path to help get there. Why should people vote for you? Oh, I mean, I love everything I'm hearing. I'm You've sold me, but anybody out there listening who's on the fence, why should people vote for you over Anna Del Rosio? Where's the daylight between you and her, and what, what would be the distinguishing factor that you think people should vote for you on? Well, I think it's huge. So I have 25-year track record of tackling some of the biggest issues in the state and the community and getting results, and um, Anna doesn't have that. And I also am a person who have demonstrated, and again, I think with elected officials sometimes it's like, oh, the politicians are saying that when they're running for office, but they didn't do it. I have a track record of, you know, when the status quo isn't working, of disrupting the status quo um, and rebuilding systems, and um, give us and what's your favorite example of what you've done in that regard? In that rega- regard, um, so when I got on the in 2017, the school district um, had no superintendent. Most of the senior staff had left. It was um, you had the lead in the water crisis. Um, you had a bond that was actually 200 million dollars short of what had been promised of what they said they were going to do um i tried to recruit a can- some candidates for the school board and was unsuccessful so i ended up um, as a candidate and six days after i um got uh, on on the on the board i got elected chair and uh, also there was like you know all of our the bargaining with our the teachers and our other uh, representative employees had been dragging on for a year so just like multiple crises and there were a lot of people who said, um, you know, we have to take a long period of time to, like, recruit the superintendent because we're not at the right time period right now to, that we recruit the superintendent and we're going to do with this other issue later. It's like, no, we, we actually have to do um, all these things now. <laughs> and because if we don't do them now, well, first of all, trust has already been broken with our community. Um, we don't have the resources. And... If we just accept the status quo, like, you know, we've got all these challenges and we're just going to, you know, it's going to take us a while to work through them. But so I really rallied the community of, no, we have to take urgent action now. We hired a superintendent right away. We got the bond implemented and, you know, took care of the environmental damage. Uh, We fixed the issue with the with the bond. But it was really, um, there were a lot of people who were like, this, we, we've got to just take our time. This isn't the right, you know, the right time in the season to, to move ahead with things. But it's like, no, because we have to get PPS back on track because otherwise um, it's probably going to be the ultimate demise of the school district. Wow. 
Well, I really appreciate you jumping in and doing I mean, I think that's very impressive that you were looking for another candidate and you couldn't find one and you jumped in and then you became the chair in a matter of days. I just think that's incredible. I mean, that's a real like roll up your sleeves kind of attitude that I absolutely love. It's very inspiring. Well, I'm... um, It's like, you don't like things? Can't find anybody to fix it? You better jump in and fix it. Okay, it's funny because you're sounding like my mom right now. Um, (laughs) So my mom was, um, you know, she always taught us, like, don't complain about things. Like, if you you don't like how things are going, like, you should get in and fix this. If she, you know, she, my mom was a very active community volunteer, but also we were just taught, like, hey, don't sit around and complain about other people um, or what's, like, what's not happening and so um, that's how I got on the school board the first time in 2001, and then again in 2017. And it's why I'm a candidate for county commissioner because you know I, it, it, I have friends who are leaving Oregon and leaving Portland and Multnomah County, and I don't want to do that. And so you know I'm, I'm not going to complain about the people who are in elected office. You know I know. Their hearts are in the right place, and they want to do the right thing. Um, and the way that I can help my community the most is like roll up my sleeves, jump in, um, and you know really push for the things that I know will make our community a better place. I'm really grateful that you're doing it, and I know a lot of our listeners are going to say that they're, especially after hearing this, they're really grateful. So, what else do you want people to know? Um, anything else that you want people to know about you? or about the issues that you care about that we haven't discussed? Um, a couple things. First of all, I don't think anybody's going to work harder. That's like the hallmark of... Uh, I, I work really hard. I'm very committed. I'm passionate about the work I do. Um, it's not a... Um, I'm never going to leave this community, and that's um, so. I, I, I'm going to be. I'm going to work really hard, and I'm going to work really hard for the people in District Three, often who feel that their voice isn't heard by the county county government. Um, I'm super accessible. My phone number is five zero three seven zero one four zero nine six. Anybody can call and text me. People do all the time on the school board, so um, I would say like. You know, if you have something that I need to know to make me a better county commissioner, um, reach out to me. The other thing is, um, if I'm elected, I expect you to hold me accountable um, for what I said I was going to do. And if I've got something wrong, um, let me know because I may not know it. And um, I'm always willing to rethink um, a path I'm heading on. so I want to be held accountable, and I also want my fellow Portlanders and Multnomah County residents like not to give up on this place because we, it can be like an amazing place to live, work, and raise your family. And um, you know, just electing somebody to the county commission who's committed is not going to make a difference. Everybody's st- staying in the game and doing their piece uh, together. I'm glad that you haven't given up. Thank you for your service on the school board and thank you for running for this position i know there were a lot of people who were nervous about who was going to run and i know a lot of people who were thrilled when you officially said yes and were kind of biting their fingernails about it and i see why because you do have that sense of this necessity to jump in and serve us serve the community so thank you thank you for doing that 
Um, and then where can people find you? Because people are going to want to give you money. And my guess is you've got a donate button somewhere. I do. If you go to my webpage, um, www.juliabrim-edwards.com, there is a donate page. You can also just, if you just Google Julia Brim Edwards, it should, um, that should be the top of, um, if my people are doing things right, it should be the, the first thing that pops up. Um, yeah, I'm going to have a competitive race. Um, yes. No, no question about it. And um, I've run in, in most of this district three times before. I know I'm aligned with East Portland values, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have an easy campaign. So, um, and there's contribution limits. Um, yeah, so talk about those. So, if somebody wants to donate the max, what's the max? Five sixty-eight. Okay. And you know, so far I've had hundreds of donors. Um, I feel super heartened. I've got hundreds of endorsements, hundreds of donors. And I think it's important they don't get matching. So anybody who thinks this is like the Renee Gonzalez campaign where you can donate five bucks and it turns into 45 automatically. <laughs> That's not this, right? It's, it is what it is. A dollar is a dollar. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but we appreciate the dollar, but just don't assume that your dollar is going to turn into nine when you push that donate button. No, I've almost raised a hundred thousand, which is a lot. Um, but, and frankly, um, yeah, but these campaigns are expensive. And, and I think, uh, anybody, if, if this resonates with you at all, get on, the computer get on your phone donate to julia's campaign because these things are so darn nobody understands how expensive these things are a hundred thousand sounds like a lot in this race i think julia needs some more money um and i don't care if it's if it's if you've got five bucks she appreciates it there isn't any matching but geez we're not gonna she's not turning away uh, anybody's money here so if you have any discretionary income to give and you care about this county and you're looking around and you don't like what you see then get out your phone, get on your computer, and donate to Julia. And do you have events coming up? Because I know people are going to want to meet you. Uh, I have an event in Woodstock uh, next next week. Oh, good. And but here I'll just give you my number well, again. We people, have can, your number. Yeah. people can text me and Seriously? like ask if ask if there's an event coming up. Okay. Yes. Um, listen, everybody, listen to this. <laughs> if you want to meet Julia Broom Edwards, you can. In fact, you have her phone number. You have her cell phone number. You can text her at any time. And I love that you're not afraid to shy away from people who are might be critical of, of you or who are, might be concerned about whether you're going to follow through on any of this stuff. I think that's amazing. So instead of like sitting in a silo or getting on Facebook and typing about Julia and call her, just call her or text her and she will talk to you about this stuff. Yeah, some of the most important things I've done in my life have been because somebody challenged me of a path I was on. And maybe it was uncomfortable. Wow. Um, but it made me um, a better person or my ideas stronger. And this is this is also why... like. Well, that's uh, exactly right, yeah. On the school board, when I got on it in 2001, they had this whole series, like years of seven to zero votes. And the school district was like kind of falling apart. And I said, well, I get, when I get on, like um, even if... That there's six people vote for it. I'm going to be a, a no vote. And, you know, when I feel like it, like it doesn't align with my values or, like, I felt like I didn't get the right information, and people were like, well, that, you know, that, that doesn't really build team. And it's like, well, I, I think that's a really important signal. So if somebody votes no um, or two people vote no, it sends a message that um, maybe the 
proposal or the policy needed additional work. Um, and it also sends a message to the future that people actually don't then bring something that's not ready to be to be voted on. And so t- for me, like even like one vote on the county commission has is, is really important because you you can like lay down a marker and set expectations and standards. Um, so I, I say I definitely um, welcome account- accountability. Um, I, I might debate you um, if you have a different point of view. Just uh, process is also your idea, but Great. Um, I'm always. I think that's to be. important. I think debate with your with everybody, but I think especially with your electeds, instead of just you know sitting back and and talking about how terrible they are, I think reaching out to them, sending emails if you're concerned. You can, I mean, for Pete's sake, Julia gave gave y'all her phone number. You can call her or text her if you've got some concerns and hash it out with her and go to the event at Woodstock if you want to meet her. And then um, I'm assuming that I'm. we have a lot of listeners that are on the Portland Party email list. Can they find out your events from Portland Party emails? Yes, that'd be another place. Um, okay, that's great. Um, anything else you want us to know before we sign off here? I really appreciate you coming in. I know you're really busy, and I, I, appreci- I really appreciate everything you've said here. Um, anything else before we sign off? I don't think so, except for if I'm elected, I'd love to come back. Oh, please. And have yes, you. Um, please do. Because we're going to talk about your timeline and we're going to hold it, you accountable. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. Because there's, there's nothing like a we're meeting. We're going to have a robust debate. Yeah. Hopefully not. You know, hopefully. But if we, if we, if we need to, we will. We will. Uh, uh, hey, and I, you seem like you're happy to do it. I know um, from 30 years of professional life, there's nothing like a meeting where you know you're going to talk about what you've done to like inspire action. <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> Admit it. Yeah, you have we'll to go set, to a big we'll business set it meeting. A few months ahead of time. We'll set it a few months ahead of time so you have time to, to wrap, wrap things up. <laughs> Thank you, Julia. I really appreciate you coming on. So everybody, that is Julia Brim Edwards. She's running for Multnomah County Commission. If you want to meet her, get on that Portland Party email list, go to her website. Please donate to her. Every dollar counts in this race. Like she said, I think it's going to be a hard-fought race. If you like at all what she said on this program, it's it's just really important. Now, is she running for chair? No. Did we learn from Sharon Myron that the chair has an infinite amount of power? Yes, we did. But here's the deal. Um, if you like Sharon Myron's op-ed, uh, she's got a... A vote, I think, a lot of the time from from Lori Stegman on the, on the county commission. If if Sharon wants to get something done, um, Julia has told you she liked some of what Sharon said in her op ed. That means a vote for Julia can maybe get some movement on some of these issues that Julia was talking about today. If you don't get Julia in as a Multnomah County commissioner, we don't have those votes. I don't know how to make it any clearer. You will not have those. If you like what Julia said on this program and you want those kind of votes, you're not going to get them if you don't vote for her. And I think a sprinkling of any kind of discretionary income that you have to throw her way would be fantastic because, as you know, this is not like a governor-type race where everybody's going to be, uh, you know, really focused and, and dumping tons of money. It's not that kind of an election cycle, but it's so freaking important, you guys, because we need the votes on the Multnomah County Commission to get things done. So if you want some change 
I would say vote for Julia Brim Edwards. I'm certainly going to, and I really appreciate her coming in today. And please don't don't hesitate to reach out with questions. And um, when she comes back after she's elected, she's going to talk to us about what she's done. And um, we're going to talk about some of these timelines and, what, and what's coming up and what she's going to do next. But we have to get there first. And you guys can help us get there. Thanks so much for tuning in. And thank you, Julia, for coming. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad that we had Julia on for Multnomah County Commissioner. Please, when you get your ballot and when you get your voter's guide, open up that gosh darn ballot and vote for Derek Peterson for school board. Vote for Julia Brim Edwards for Multnomah County Commission and do what Alyssa Pishka told you to do and vote against the capital gains tax. Those are three action items that we really need if we're going to see anything rational or resembling rational after May. You can find me on Twitter at Rational and PDX. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you next time on Rational in Portland.